NFL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. Thanks so much for tuning in here to NL Newsday. It is Monday, the first day of the work week. So as always, pleased to welcome to the program Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you here today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, as always, appreciate your time. So we're a week removed here now from the announcement that vaccine passports are going to be coming into play here in the province of BC. And we're two weeks away from that official implementation date of September the 13th. Now, a number of questions have arised since this announcement was made, particularly when it comes to the lack of exemptions that are out there at all, right? Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked, is there any exemptions being made for people with medical conditions who simply are unable to get a vaccine for legitimate reasons? And her answer was, no, there's no exemptions here. Just initial thoughts on that, because that doesn't feel totally appropriate to me, even though I understand why the intent is there here. Well, I certainly disagree with um, not having exemptions for people who are unable to get vaccinated, legitimately unable to get vaccinated as a result of a, a medical condition or for religious reasons. What I will say, though, is that the bigger question in my mind is whether that limitation on the charter rights of those individuals um, and, and the rights of those individuals to sort of go and participate in the regulated activities is really going to be decided in their favor at the end of the day. And the reason I say this is that your charter rights are entitled to be infringed and, you know, putting different limitations on people who have health conditions or for religious reasons refuse to be vaccinated is uh, potentially an appropriate limitation in the context of the Delta variant. We've seen from the science that the Delta variant is more transmissible. Uh, we've seen from the numbers of people that are hospitalized and in the ICU and are being infected with COVID right now that this really is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And if those people, by virtue of not being able to be vaccinated, are at a greater risk than people who are vaccinated, as well as therefore at a greater risk of transmitting it to other people, including those who have been vaccinated, it may well be a reasonable legal limitation, notwithstanding the fact that it is inherently discriminatory to say, unfortunately, you can't go to concerts and you can't go to restaurants and you can't go to nightclubs and bars and all of these other discretionary activities. I'm anticipating we're going to see some type of a human rights challenge in regards to this. And, you know, you laid out a whole bunch of different information there, why it makes sense, but also why there's some concerns. Is this a challenge when something does go into court? Like I said, I haven't seen one yet, but I'm anticipating we're going to see something coming down very, very soon on this. Uh, but would this have to go through the courts, I guess, in a pretty rapid fashion? Is this something that could make its way through pretty darn quickly based on the immediate need to find uh, an answer here? This could go through court very, very quickly. Um, this, you know, because this is a sort of a time-limited order in the sense that it's uh, right now at least only in place until January, um, we're not expecting uh, to be able to run, you know, any types of constitutional challenges that take years and years. And the court has fast-tracked the other uh, litigation dealing with the COVID-19 restrictions. We saw challenges to the travel restrictions. We saw challenges to uh, the, the border restrictions and to the flights, even things 
that were um, were announced very quickly and and changed very quickly. Challenges still progressed uh, to those, and the court has the capacity to hear things that can have an impact immediately. Um, they have the capacity to assign a judge and to hear it on an urgent basis um, in circumstances like this, where there are time limited issues where rights might be being compromised. One thing that I do worry about. Because I do think there is discrimination here against those who legitimately cannot get vaccinated, no matter how small of a portion of the population we're talking about here. But if you were to grant that small exemption for those individuals, I feel like it might open the door to start seeing more and more different types of exemptions come online. Did you Would you foresee something like that? Like if, if we start to go, okay, for, for you specifically with your specific medical condition, you have an exemption, but that sort of opens up a can of worms that that could get a lot bigger really, really quickly, right? If you start allowing it for one, then you're going to see a whole bunch more people say, well, what about me? Well, this is true. I, I mean, you know, there are obviously going to be some people who cannot physically be vaccinated, um, people who have an allergy that can't be managed using an allergist, uh, that type of a situation. But if we start opening the door a little bit for those types of people, then we start allowing the people who are reluctant to be vaccinated because of medical issues, who don't, you know, who aren't certain about how the vaccine will impact them. And then we start opening the door to people who are reluctant to be vaccinated because of of psychological issues, like people who have a fear of needles. And then, you know, you don't really know where those gates are going to stop. And right now, what we're trying to stop more than social activity is the transmission of COVID. Mm -hmm. And if we just apply the rules equally to everybody and make a finite, clear rule, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, it's easy for the public to follow. It prevents those types of little cracks from becoming bigger floodgates. And it makes it clear to the public about what the expectation is. Let's move to the enforcement side of things here because there was a couple of questions that were posed to the Premier and to Dr. Bonnie Henry in regards to this. You know, if there's an issue at a restaurant, we'll say, um, you know, someone wants to go and dine inside, but they don't have a vaccination card or refusing to show it. There's a potential for, you know, escalation to occur and, and altercations to happen. Who is in charge of this? Well, Premier Horgan basically stated, you know, in, in the case of like for a, a bar, for example, right, a nightclub, if if the security staff at these establishments cannot handle what's going on or, you know, it takes a, a level uh, that that they're no longer, you know, legally allowed to deal with, I suppose you have to call law enforcement. But calling police to deal with vaccine passports doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, a top priority when it comes to resources for our police force. I have a, a real concern about how this is going to be policed here. I definitely have a concern around the resourcing of this. We've already seen that police resources in, in BC have been significantly taxed during the pandemic, in part because of the number of officers that have to be off, uh, in part because of the way that officers are being redeployed to deal with all of this COVID-related enforcement. You know, when the roadblocks were in place earlier this year, preventing um, the uh, un unessential travel, we had, uh, we had police that were pulled off their regular duties to go enforce these roadblocks. Now we're going to be seeing police officers who are dealing with their general policing duties being called in to respond to situations that are just <laughs> disgruntled people who can't go to a bar. 
I do question how likely it is that there's going to be uh, these types of violent incidents in most of the places mm-hmm. that are sort of controlled by this. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you're going to go to a concert or a sporting event or a nightclub or a bar, your expectation before going in is that there's going to be gatekeeping, right? You have to have a ticket, you have to pay cover, you have to show your ID to show that you're over 19 if it's a drinking establishment. There's already gatekeeping in place, but I think people are more accustomed to that in in my view psychologically is going to make it less likely for these incidents to arise where i think we will see the most problems is where that gatekeeping doesn't ordinarily take place at restaurants mm-hmm. where anybody should be able to go and sit down and have a meal I, I think that's where we're going to see the most difficulty and i will be disappointed to see police resources that could be better spent elsewhere having to deal with disgruntled people taking their rage out on teenage staff just trying to earn some extra cash before the end of the summer yeah, well, I'm sure we're going to hear more about this in the you know days and weeks ahead here before this is fully implemented on September the 13th, um, because uh, you know there's other resources I suppose that could be used, whether it's those environmental service officers that have been used to patrol some of the COVID-19 restrictions, or you know in Kamloops we have uh, our bylaw department recently changed to community service officers who would have some sort of capacity to deal with this kind of stuff. So it really has to be an all hands on deck kind of thing because calling police for all of these little minor things, I just I just don't see it as being, uh, you know, really feasible. And I imagine based on your response, you're kind of feeling that exact same way as well. I do feel the same way. The one thing I will say is that police are probably the best equipped to handle those situations where people become violent. You know, we've seen a lot of incidents where violence has occurred as a result of masking rules or as as a result of of, uh, social distancing uh, compliance. Police have training on how to de-escalate violent situations as well as, as have the ability to use various levels of use of force when it's appropriate to control people who are like that. And so there is a positive in having police involved. I mean, that there are some situations where violence can occur and you might be better off to have a police officer there than somebody who is less trained for that type of situation. For sure. Well, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting experiment. That's basically all I can call what this is right now is, is an experiment. And you mentioned it's only in place until the end of January, at least for the time being when it is set to be reviewed. Uh, we'll, we'll see at that point in time if it is extended and, then, then where kind of things go from here. I imagine the longer this gets extended, the more frustrated individuals will get and the more uh, more issues we might see arise as a result. But uh, I think that's about all for now. Uh, this is a definitely an ongoing conversation, Kyla, so I'm sure we'll have more to talk about it in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, any Anything else to point out on this particular subject while I have you here? No, I think that covers it. Yeah, it covers it for now, but I, I'm sure we'll have more more things to react to in the days ahead, as I said. Thanks so much, as always, Kyla. Always appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee joining me as she does every single Monday here on NL Newsday. Yeah, I, um, I, I stand by the, the earlier part about the human rights concerns, particularly for those who legitimately cannot get a vaccine, right? For medical reasons, you know, the, those instances are pretty few and far between, but they do exist, and I've heard from a few of you, um, and you are concerned right now about what's going to happen uh, if, if you are unable to get uh, a single or double dose of a vaccine because you are basically banned, right, from attending non-essential services, whether that be going to dine at a restaurant or going to a bar or going to a concert or going to see a Kamloops Blazer hockey game or going to a TRU Wolfpack game or, uh, you know, there's all these types of settings here where 
you're just not going to be allowed based on the way the rules stand right now. And quite frankly, um, I, I don't know how fair that truly is. Um, but I also think having the rules being black and white makes it much easier because as soon as we start to put an exemption or two in place, there's this gray area that all of a sudden is formed, and that makes things way more complicated. I don't have a right or wrong answer to this. Uh, you know what? No one I've talked to really seems to have a right or wrong answer to this. I mean, let's go back to a comment I, I played earlier on today when talking about uh, uh, the BC Independent Human Rights Commissioner, Kasari Kovender. She spoke to this. Does she have concerns about the back, v, BC vaccine card? And here's what she had to say. Overall, I think that a proof of vaccine requirement is both allowed under human rights law um, and also, you know, a policy like this is uh, can be justified with human rights principles because it could protect the most vulnerable among us, those who are unable to take a vaccine or those who don't have uh, the same level of protection from a vaccine. Uh, that said, a policy like this needs to give um, deep consideration to human rights principles and law, and uh, I do have concerns on that front. Yeah, so even she doesn't really have a quite easy to understand answer, right? Like, on the surface, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing that's violating human rights by having a BC vaccine status card. But there are obviously some questions that are raised when talking about those who are unable, unable, excuse me, to go and get vaccinated. It's a frustrating conversation because I just wish there was a simple solution, and I don't think there is. But uh, as I said with Kyla, I do expect we're going to see some um, human rights um, uh, arguments being made, some disputes being uh, put forward through the court system on this, and I'm curious to see what the outcomes are. And I imagine we'll see those move through the court system pretty darn quickly because of uh, you know the fact that we're in the in the situation now, and uh, you know if all were to go according to plan and. Nothing seems to have gone according to plan throughout the entirety of this pandemic. But if all were to go according to plan, we could see this BC vaccine status card uh, uh, condition being lifted by the early part of next year. And then, you know, that would be great. I hope that's the case and we're working our way through to the right side of this pandemic. But I have my sincere doubts about that. And I'll just leave it at that for now. But curious to see what happens here in the coming weeks and i'm sure we'll see some more questions being posed to the health minister and the provincial health officer on this tomorrow when a COVID 19 briefing does occur